Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Well, everyone, welcome back to a very exciting episode of the Storybox podcast. Today, my friends, I'm delighted to welcome someone who is going quite viral at the moment for good reason, too. His message is powerful. He's filled with righteous indignation, and I hope he's going to bring that today. That was the video that really resonated with me, as many, many other videos, too. He's prayed for people in Target stores as well. He's just blowing up at the moment. His name is Pastor John Amar. Chuku, is that correct, John? Did I get it right or I butchered it probably? You're, you're doing quite well, much better, better than people in North America. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thank you for the grace. I really do appreciate it. First, yes. John, I yes. I can gush about all your wonderful achievements because you, you've, you've been everywhere. You've been on uh, Tucker Carlson tonight, I believe you've got a book called Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion, uh, published by mm-hmm. Salem Books. I I could gush all about that, but I thought the best thing for me to do was to turn it on to you and, and say, Pastor John, can you please explain in your own words who you are and what you do for the audience? So, Pastor John, please take it away. Well, I um, serve as a youth pastor at the Upper Room Church of God in Christ and also an an associate pastor there. I've been at that church now going on 20 years. I'm married, been married now for 15 years, going on 16 years. I have uh, three wonderful children, two boys and a girl. Um, I travel the country speaking about critical race theory and abortion, about gender theory and queer theory intersectionality, many of the woke ideologies that we see today. I understand that during uh, Jeremiah's day, he had to contend with the Babylonians. But today, one of the greatest threats that we have to fight against are cultural Marxists. Um, I released this book through Salem Publishers last year. Get a copy of this book. It's called Erased Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and 
abortion. This book can be found on my website at erasedbook.com. That's a erased with a C and not an S, erasedbook.com. Go there and get a copy of the book. But um, one of the things I've seen, Jay, is that people are beginning to resonate with my message, a message of truth, a message that really cuts through the culture, addresses many things that most people don't want to talk about today, especially many pastors. And I'm beginning to see a an uptick of people who we would call um, Hollywood or Hollywood supporters beginning to even respond to my my content, my last viral video. Um, Khloe Kardashian liked it. You know, she has 306 million followers. I guess she's she's a very noteworthy individual. <laughs> and also um, Tyrese, the gentleman in the in, in the movie. Um, Fast and Furious. He actually shared the video and gave commentary on it as well. And so we're cutting through the the culture with the truth of God's word. And I'm blessed to be able to be a vessel to be used by God. Well, Pastor John, it's an absolute honor to have you here on the Storybox podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I guess the very first place that I want to start is your videos have been going quite viral at the moment. And I'm curious, which one was the one that Chloe Kardashian liked and Tyrese shared? This last one, the one um, that I delivered at in Asheville, North Carolina, um, I drove a total of eight hours to speak for three minutes. No one uh, said that they would give me a paycheck when I got there <laughs> to the school board meeting. I did it out of the good, goodness of my heart because I wanted to really expose some of the filth that's being hidden in many of our public schools in North Carolina, but around the country. There was a movement afoot to indoctrinate children at a young age and to rob them of their innocence. Wow. Some call this grooming, but I like to call it mental rape. Yeah. We are mentally taking advantage of children at a young and tender age. And oftentimes parents don't even know what's happening. You know, this evil triune God called um, diversity, inclusion and equity. I don't call it DEI, I call it D-I-E because where there is D-I-E, there is death. Yeah. Um, if you don't bow to this false triune idol, then you'll be bludgeoned, you'll be canceled, you will be labeled as a homophobe or a bigot. You know, people will disassociate from you because you don't bow to DIE, diversity, inclusion, and equity. But in the name of DIE, they're beginning to put material in the public school system that resonates with things that at the end of the day is not educational. No. It's not educational for a child to go to school and pick up a book and learn how to perform homosexual sex. Now, if that's something that you desire to do in the privacy of your home, then that's up to you. You have freedoms, you have rights. I don't advise it, but that is your choice. The Bible speaks against it rather explicitly. And that's where I stand. I come down on, on the God side of, of the issue. But the, in the name of DIE, diversity, inclusion, and equity, people are saying that children need to see themselves visibly 
on the bookshelves of their libraries. And so librarians are beginning to use taxpayers fund, uh, taxpayer dollars to purchase these books and make sure that children as young as five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, that they can be exposed and entrenched in what I call perversion. Per it's perversion to take a person off a normal path, to cause them to deviate into a subculture and to uh, begin to change even their lifestyle as it relates to what is normative and what is right and what is wrong. That is perversion. So the book that I spoke about was a book entitled It's Perfectly Normal. And at the end of the day, it's not perfectly normal to push gender theory and queer theory upon a child. It's actually perfectly perverted. Yeah. And while reading that book, Jay, <laughs> the board chair, he began to try to gavel me down and he kept saying, pastor, pastor, yeah. pastor, 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 pastor. You know, I don't know if you're going to play the video and include it in this segment or not. However, um, you can just hear him trying to get me to stop reading the book that's been made available to children as young as 10 years of age. I mean, it, it makes no sense, Jay. I mean, why can't I read this book aloud yeah. in a school board meeting? If a child can have access to it in a library, why can't I just read the book? Mm -hmm. Well, the adults in the room, the perverts, you could say, in the room, <laughs> as you say quite well, <laughs> I should say, <laughs> Uh, they almost blush when mm. they hear you read it out loud, but yet they're expecting the kid for the child to actually read it and not to, it's like, oh, it's totally fine, totally normal for the child to read it. You've got, you've got the UN saying that it's totally normal, totally acceptable for a child to consent to uh, child rape. That actually occurred. I saw that recently. You've got this massive level of perversion and twisting of things that were once considered to be evil and now considered to be good in society. It's all been this mass level of indoctrination that if you speak against it, you're totally right. You're, you're labeled as homophobic, transphobic, you're bigoted. You're, you're just thrown this massive label. And I'm just like, well, if I'm speaking the truth and I know that I am, and there's so many other people on board with me on that, then call me whatever you want to call me. I don't really care. <laughs> it doesn't really <laughs> phase me one bit because if that's all you've got, bring it on. <laughs> so true. So true. Well, well said, Jay. That, that's the way I look at it as well. And I also made this video. Unfortunately, YouTube decided to uh, take it down. Uh, mm. mainly because I was talking about this whole idea of homophobia and transphobia, you know, that how they call them an actual phobia, let's say that's right. actually people have, it's a psychological condition for someone to have a phobia. So this mass throwing out of saying you're homophobic, you're transphobic means that they're psychologists and they can diagnose every single person that is somehow transphobic or homophobic we got this mass level of uh, diagnosis <laughs> happening right. in society yeah. at the moment, which is which means that we need to go and see a psychologist for being apparently homophobic or transphobic. It's weird. Right. It's nuts. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know it's amazing. You know, I don't. I, I'm not transphobic. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hell phobic. Mm. You know, I have a fear <laughs> of, of hell. I, I have a God phobia. I have a fear of God in the, in, in the, and fear is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. And this fear is not a trembling and shaking, you know, it's a reverential fear that Christians and people who have good sense have towards the God of the Bible. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 14, verse one, that the fool had said in his heart that there is no God. You want to see a fool? Take a look at a person who lives as if God doesn't exist. Yeah. You want to see a person who's wise? Take a look at the individuals who live as if God does exist. You mentioned something that was very appropriate. We're in this battle between evil and good. Isaiah chapter five, verse 20 says, woe to those who call evil good mm. and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Today, the world is uh, upside down. And, you know, they, they told Paul that he was turning the world upside down. But really what Paul was trying to do was turn the world right side up. And mm -hmm. so Christians, we have the the role of the great Atlas <laughs> today. We're trying to turn the world right side up and we must make a difference between what is right and what is wrong and what's good and what's evil and what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. And I speak for many people out there in America and across the world who haven't lost their common sense. You know, um, common sense has become uncommon in government. Laws are being passed that, you know, if you go back nearly 20 years, you'll say to yourself, these things would never even be discussed or even considered. But today we're on this slippery slope where we're trying to prove as much as possible that the creator, God, isn't God and that man is God. Um, here in America, we say that we're one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. But today we are not simply a nation that is under God. We have become a nation of little gods. We're in this position. We're in this posture where we are now commanding God. Um, the Bible also speaks about those who um, strive against their maker and their creator you know, I can't tell God that he created me wrong and he put me in the wrong body and that God gave me the wrong sex. You know, I can't tell God that because I'm I'm made in fashion and formed in the image of God. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. And God doesn't need to do any do overs and God doesn't get it wrong. Man gets it wrong all of the time. And that's why man needs a holy and righteous God. And in this world, regardless of where you are, regardless of what's part of the world you're in, at the end of the day, there's this thing called absolute truth. Mm. And absolute truth does not stem from man. Absolute truth comes from God. How do we get the basis of what is right and wrong? That does not come naturally from man because in our flesh dwells no good thing. We are corrupt. We are evil. We are vile. It takes the blood of Jesus to replenish us and to rejuvenate us, to redeem us, to make us even presentable in the presence of God. Uh, the fragrance of God is righteousness, but the natural fragrance of man is sin. Yeah. 
And so we need God at all junctures. We need God in our Christian churches because many of our churches have boxed God out. You know, we want to unbox a story today, but many churches have boxed God out, Jay. Mm -hmm. There's no room for God. There's no place for God. There's only place for our personalities, what we desire, what we long for and what we want. And so we preach a gospel that is no gospel at all. We have hijack the gospel and we preach this new age, modern Jesus, a Jesus that allows us to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do, and we can still make it to heaven. That's not true. That is not true. Um, we need to get back to the historical biblical Jesus, who was a Jesus, yes, that was loving and kind, but he was also a Jesus of justice. And the quintessential framework of justice, Jay, does not come from BLM. <laughs> it doesn't come from the left. It doesn't come from the NAACP. The quintessential framework for justice comes from the Bible. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Very well said. There's a lot there that you said that I could touch on, uh, but for the sake of time, <laughs> we could spend hours, believe you me, Pastor John, honestly, but there seems to be this shift happening, the cultural shift. You're right. It's all about self, self-love, self-gratification. If it feels good to me, then it must be, uh, must be so. It must happen. It's all about this attitude of selfishness, not selflessness. And that's not an mm -hmm. attitude that I, I agree with at all. I agree mm -hmm. with this whole idea of teamwork because mm -hmm. God didn't create just you know, us to be selfish all the time. He gave us jobs and responsibilities and roles to fulfill in this world, especially as men and as, as women too. And now the whole narrative is forget that. Let's go against women. Let's go against men. Let's bring men down. Let's bring women down even more now too. And then in the church environment, you're right. The gospel has been completely rooted out to sort of somehow fit with this cultural narrative of self-love and self-acceptance. And I'm going, well, hang on a minute. What happened to God's love for his people? What happened to what Christ did for, for us? It's now just praising me and my mm. image now. And I'm just going, you, you're, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to fit into a culture that doesn't accept and doesn't embrace you what are you trying to do here? It's just not working at all. And, and you're seeing these churches uh, at the moment, uh, Transformation Church being one of them. There's Andrew Stanley's church. I don't, I'm not sure if you saw any of these messages that have been coming out, but I've been seeing them. And, and they're like, and Andy Stanley was saying something like, he, he knows homosexuals that have got more faith than some people in the church. And I'm going, what the... <laughs> Goodness me. And then you had the demonic Easter service from Transformation Church on, on Easter Sunday. Blasphemic. You had women up there twerking and talking about their booties. You had uh, a female nailed to the cross. It was just, and then Mike Todd gets up there and starts defending his actions. And I'm just going, what, what is happening? What, what is going on? You're meant to be representing Christ, not representing yourself, not representing culture. Man, I'm filled with righteous indignation now. See what you've done to me, Pastor John? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see it. I can see it all over your face. Your countenance has changed. 
and you're getting ready to get fired up and you're going to get me going even the more as well. You know, this and the reason why. Me. Yes. And, and, it, and, it, and it should. It should. You know, you understand the implications of the downward spiral of us moving and drifting away from biblical authority. There, 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 there is a price to be paid for that. Um, the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever. A man sows that the emphasis on is on that, that shall he also reap. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of people who have sold many things that they're going to have to reap in particular in this area of how we have disenfranchised and used mental rape as a tool to, um, put our children in harm's way. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse two says, um, he let, let the Bible lessons know that it's better for a man to be thrown into a sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for us to cause a child to stumble into sin. Mm. And what we're seeing, even from your leading preachers and your leading pastors, there's this exploitation of the church. There's this focus on being a star, right? Um, there's even been a, you know, a remaking and a reshifting of, of the pastor of Transformation Church. You know, it, it seems as if the more he loses weight, mm. the more carnal he has become. Right. Because the focus is on self and him trying to lose his big hips (laughs) (laughs) rather than trying to lose yourself. You know, when we lose ourself, we gain God. But when we're filled with self, we lose God. Mm -hmm. And so the the, the less we are puffed up, the more God can puff in. And so we're in a place today where we have these personalities who are clever, you know, they have these franchise marketing structures and schemes. It's almost like multi-level marketing in the church. You know, it's all about their brand and their image. It's not about the old rugged cross. It's not about what Jesus did on Calvary. It's not about the nail prints in his hand. It's not about the nail prints in his feet. It's not about the fact that he was pierced in his side and blood and water came out. It's not about the crown that was placed upon his head. Um, um, of 72 thorns. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's not about the fact that when he gave up the ghost, that the spirit of God went down to the temple and tore the veil, the curtain that separated man from a holy and righteous God in the holy of holies, that that veil was torn from the top to the bottom. They had to use oxen to even bring the veil in. It was so tall. It was so wide. It was so vast. But it's not, it's not about the redemptive work of Calvary and how Christ died, gave up the ghost. On the third day, he rose again without power. He ascended back into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is coming back, Jay. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. The focus is not on Christ's return. The focus is on us getting our pie in the sky. The focus is on us becoming wealthy. The focus is on us having the most followers and the most views and the most shares and the most likes from people who don't even like us. <laughs> you know, the focus is 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 on the wrong things. And at, and as we see this, the enemy pushes his plan and his agenda. This is why we must all know and consider the end of the book. The Bible tells us that we overcome Satan Mm. 
by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Kind of reminds me of um, Noah's time in many respects, Mm -hmm. because Noah was trying to tell people for many, many years, it would seem that, hey, you need to repent. They all laughed at him. Like something great, something is going to come, but Mm. they just kept on with their carnal wicked ways. And then it was only when the rains came and the floods happened, did they start Mm. beating down the door, trying to get Noah to let them in, save us, save us. But your time of salvation was years, but you didn't listen. You turned away. It all became about you. And you were so blind to the actual truth. The truth was right in front of you for that entire period of time. And no matter how many times you heard it, you rejected it. And the sad thing is Christ said that people are going to reject him in the last days. The Mm -hmm. perilous times are going to come. Men will be lovers of their own selves. They'll be deceitful. They'll be wicked. It's Second Timothy, I believe. Yes, yes. I was talking about it the other day, and it's really heartbreaking to actually see a generation just fall away the way that they are. Mm. And the moment you say anything to warn them, the more they just dig in further to their truth. It's become their truth now, not their truth. And Christ calls it, the moment you start loving something more than God, what does it become? It becomes an idol. So they've become their own idol. It's in the church. All people in the church that are in this position of celebrity and fellowship and it's like, worship me, bow down to me this flowery feel good message on a Sunday, every single Sunday. It's just, it's not sharing the real truth. It's, it's falling further and further away from it. And now guess what's going to happen to society as a result, going to collapse. And we're here going, we warned you, we don't want this to happen. There is a way out of it, please, right here. But humans make things so complicated for themselves. It's amazing to me, John. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) Just how complicated we make things for ourselves. It's unreal. It really is. Yes, that's so true. We we have this natural inclination to do things our way. You know, it's, it's also satanic, which which was what Satan himself, Lucifer, Lucifer was filled with. He mm-hmm. wanted to not simply be God, but he wanted to be greater than God. He wanted to ascend above God. And so our posture matters. You know, show me a person who wants to live a life of holiness and righteousness and to be obedient to God. That's a person who will submit and surrender. They come low. But show me a person who wants to be God and greater than God, which reminds me of government in, in America and, and many of the school systems and all of these different things. And many of our woke companies, you know, they, they take they take this posture and position that they are God and that they're greater than God and they can um, ascend above God. Um, you referenced earlier an, an interaction that I had in Target. 
with a, um, a mother there who, according to her, she has two trans children. Now, mm-hmm. the odds of having one trans child is, is, is very slim, but to have two, it's, it's, it's a telltale sign that, that mom is grooming and indoctrinating herself. And parents have a responsibility. Hear me out there, parents. Your job is not to tell your child what you want to hear. Your job is not to be your child's uh, friend. You know, your job is to be your child's parent. Mm-hmm. And children need to be led. If a child is getting ready to run into the street, you're not going to say, hey, little Johnny, don't do that. You're going to raise your voice and command them to stop and to come back into the the um, the driveway or wherever. And then you're going to discipline them and reprimand them and tell them never to do that again. If they're getting ready to touch a hot stove, you're going to correct them because you probably touched a hot stove before. Or you've been burned by a hot pan or something. And so you don't want them to experience the same pain that you felt. So therefore, you would do everything within your ability to make sure that they do not get scorched or burned. But today, parents are allowing their children to do whatever they want to do, knowing that if they go into the street, they'll get run run over, knowing that if they touch the hot stove, they'll be burned, knowing that if they take this approach of transgenderism and now pumping themselves with foreign chemicals in their body. It's a man trying to become a woman. And so he loads himself up with estrogen. He removes a perfectly healthy um, private part. He does all of the above. He dresses himself up. He puts on a wig. He puts on the mascara and the makeup. He puts on the lipstick. He puts on the fishnet stockings and the high heel pump shoes with red bottoms, right? He does all of the above. He puts on the red dress or the flowery dress. He does all of this stuff just to try to make himself something that he will never become. You cannot morph out of the will of God. Let that sink in. You can't morph. You can't trans out of God's intended design for you. There will only and there will always be solely two genders, male and female. Genesis 5 and 2 tells us that God created us male and female. You, I don't care how much money is on the face of the planet. All nations can come together and pool together money and say that we're going to create a third sex. No, you can't. No, you're not. It's not possible. And so as we see these things uh, take place, Jay, I am campaigning for the church to regain her voice, but for men to regain their voice. Many men have become neutered and chewed up and spat out by the culture. They've been castrated (laughs) by feminists, feminists who put them in the box of uh, if they're too assertive, if they're too aggressive, they're too masculine, if they're too manly, then they call that toxic masculinity. If they are too reserved, if they're too, you know, um, withdrawn, they labeled them as uh, a beta. Yep. And so men are on this pendulum of perplexities. If I'm too aggressive, I'm uh, that's toxic masculinity. If I'm too reserved, then I'm a beta. And so men are trying to figure out what they should do and who they should be. And I'm calling men to be men. 
Men are called to protect. They're called to provide. Men are called to be defenders of their families. If some threat or some danger comes to the back door and a husband and wife are in the bed sleep, the husband is a weak man. He's a he's a punk, <laughs> to say uh, to, to say the least. If he takes his foot and kicks his wife in the bed under the covers and says, hey, honey, someone's coming in at the back door. Can you go check? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, the expectation is that that man is going to reach for his nightstand and grab his Smith & Wesson or Glock, right? And go downstairs and protect his home. That's what men do. You know, men men are supposed to love the, even their spouses and their family as Christ loved the church and be willing to even die for them. You know, but we see instead of seeing men in the culture willing to die for the family, willing to die for the family, for the wife, we see men willing to die to become everything but what God has called them to be. There there has to be a death wish within the heart of a man to say that I'm going to chemically castrate myself. It's got it's it's, it's got to be something nefarious at work to see parents like this lady in Target with two trans children, take both of her children through this process. And I prayed for this mother in Target. Um, I went to get any information and to see if things were real, if they were really pushing satanic agendas and to see all of the merchandise that um, Target was pushing. And it's all true. There are no charades. There's no, there's nothing being fabricated. But I prayed for that mother in the... Um, and Target, you know, I mentioned G- Genesis five and two. I um, I talked about uh, truth, and when I mentioned truth, her eyes opened up and they got big. You can even see yeah. her, the veins in her neck, Jay, bulging out. She was enraged, and and and, and, it, and it's you know it's rather startling because that's the same topic. That Jesus didn't even respond to, I believe it was Pot- was it um, uh, Pilate when mm-hmm. Pilate asked him, "What is truth?" And by this point, Jesus had already showed him that he was the truth, and I guess he said nothing because he could show him better he, than he could tell him. He was going to show him the implications of truth upon Calvary, and so um, this mom she became angry when I talked about truth because that is the battle, that is the quest today. It's an attack on truth, and where does truth come from? It comes from the Bible, and so we have this wrestling match between truth and the world's culture and what they want to push upon um, the world. And so I say to those who are out there, those of you who are listening that we have a role, we have a responsibility. Men, get your voice back. Um, Begin to speak up, begin to herald the truth. Pastors, don't become so weak and timid in the culture where you become, uh, where the scripture says that they were blind dogs that won't even bark. You know, what, what, what is the use of a dog if the dog won't bark? You know, the dog, the dog is supposed to warn the owner that danger is at the back door. We have pastors today who see danger and the danger has come even even into the church and the pastors won't bark, you know, and so we have to get our bark back, Jay. I'm reminded of the most, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. There's many, but one of them is when God says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through but by me or something along those lines. Mm, yes, that, yes, yes. That for me, going into the culture, right, knowing that God is the way, the truth, yes. and the life. 
See, what we're seeing at the moment is demonic death, as you mentioned earlier. Yes. You, you yes. put up this post that I, I reshared and I loved it. Pride Month, demon. is, is <laughs> I just thought that was so powerful, my friend. And I appreciate yes, yes. you actually sharing it because one of the, the most deadliest sins as I talk about is pride. And what was the first ever sin you could even say was recorded in the Bible when Lucifer wanted to be above God? Pride. That's right. That's right. Humans suffer with this all about me attitude, all about self-gratification, pride. They right. hate having their, their viewpoints challenged in any way because they're being humbled and That's no right. one right. likes to be humbled because it, hurts and so i don't want my my viewpoint to be deflated because it hurts my ego it hurts my identity and god forbid that we hurt your identity in today's day and age oh my goodness and going to the whole topic of masculinity at the moment women go modern feminists go all men are evil they're all mm-hmm. evil. And I'm going, hang on a minute. You're generalizing an entire sex saying that all men are evil, probably because you've had a few bad experiences in your life. And I'm sorry that you've had that. But what a lot of women today do is they just go in the complete opposite direction because of trauma, because of pain. It's a major mental health problem that is not being treated the right way with proper truth, with proper reason, rationale, because as you've said, they've turned away from God. They've removed God out of society, out of the equation. Men are now not willing, let's say, to even speak up because they've had their vocal cords cut and their balls removed. It's sorry to be so blunt, but I love it. I love it. Keep being blunt. Keep being blunt. (laughs) That's the way that it is. Yes. When you see a man come out and say, look, this is wrong. And here's why it's wrong. He gets pillared against. Mm. And like, it's no wonder our boys are not turning into men because Their fathers are walking away most of the time. Their fathers are not training up children, sadly. It's happening all over the Western Western world. Yes. Like we have somehow allowed this to happen. And now we're we're sort of trying to fix it in many respects. But I guess my question to you, Pastor John, is how can we fix it? Is that even possible or have we gone too far? Well, so as long as Christ hasn't returned, we can still fix it. Um, When Jesus comes back, he's going to separate the wheat from the tare and the sheep from the goat. Now, we we know that to be be true, Jay. And so you just got to figure out what are you going to be? You're going to be the wheat? Are you going to be the wheat or the tare? Are you going to be the sheep or the goats? Uh, We also know that Christ told us to occupy until he comes. And God's truth, this is something that we have to always remember and never forget. God's truth endures to all generations. I mean, that's a powerful reminder. 
of the fact that we must remain steadfast and um, fixed, holding on to God's word and not deviating from it because it does not expire, right? God's truth endures. And so we have an abiding truth that God has given us. And it's something that we must hold, hold on to wholeheartedly, you know, but there's so many people who have traded in God's truth for something else. And they're beginning to notice and, and see that there's there's choice, their desire of their own truth is not going to be the redeeming truth, you know, because there can only be one truth. Scripture tells us to buy the truth and sell it not. You know, once you get the truth, hold it, hold it as if it's something that's precious and tender and that you need to cover it because it is. Don't let it go and don't relinquish it. You know, don't sell truth for a morsel of bread, you know, and many have done that. And that's part of the reason why we are where we are today. But yes, there is still hope. There is still an opportunity for man to repent and turn back towards God. But it's going to come from the word of God. The Bible is more current than tomorrow's newspaper. And it speaks to these days, to these things that in the last days, perilous times will come. Dangerous times will come for men will be lovers of their own selves. And so that's what scripture tells us that, you know, we're going to see this uptick of self-love that we talked about in the beginning. And Paul does a great job bequeathing this truth to Timothy, reminding him of the first and first and foremost, that dangerous times will come. And number and also people um, will be lovers of, them, of their own selves. And from there, it goes on to talk about 18 other people characteristic traits in second Timothy chapter three, uh, that will be prevalent in the last days. There are several there, one of which there, um, Paul re references that there will be, uh, false accusers, you know, and when you translate the word false accuser in the Greek, it gives you the word diabolos. And we know that the diabolos is Satan. It's mm. the serpent. You know, and we see the serpent in Genesis uh, chapter three sliding upon his belly. But we also see the Diabolos in Revelations as a dragon. He has enlarged himself. And so we are fighting against a false accuser, even when it comes down to racial tension and the need for racial reconciliation. We're fighting against the Diabolos, the false accusation of critical race theory and labeling all whites as inherently racist. That's not true. You know, racism is not a skin tone or a color. Racism is sin. And racism is a choice. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says that all have what? Sinned and come short of the glory of God. So racism is a choice. It's not a skin tone. Um, blacks can choose to be racist. Pacific Islanders, Asians, Native Americans, Indians, you name it. People can choose to be racist. But these are just intentional plans to push us further towards cultural Marxism. In order for cultural Marxism to thrive, there must be a divide. There must be this black towards 
white uh, division. There must be this oppressor versus oppressed dynamic. It's the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat. It's the vax today, right? Versus the unvaxed. It's the it's the alphabet mafia <laughs> versus everyone who is straight. There's this there's this duality of us versus them. And the Christ didn't call us to have a us versus them mentality. It's good versus evil. You know, it's, it's the righteous versus the unrighteous. And so we are seeking to push the righteousness of God and to redeem as many people as possible by making sure that they that we make Christ famous. Um, I came home one day after being on Tucker Tucker Carlson show the night before. And my and my daughter told me, she said, you know, all of my classmates and my teachers were talking about you. They saw you on the news. They saw you on Tucker, Tucker Carlson's show and all of that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. She was going on and on about it. She said, you know what, dad, you are famous. And I said, uh, no, <laughs> sweetheart, I'm not famous. I'm a servant. Um, the famous person, the person who seeks to be a celebrity, they seek to make themselves known. But the person who is a servant, they seek to make Christ known. Now, God makes your name go out and people begin to have an understanding of who you are. But within that, the greatest thing that you will ever know about me is that I'm born again, that I'm blood bought, that Christ has redeemed me. And the most powerful thing that you'll ever hear me say is when I parrot the word of God, not my cliches, not my phrases. But when I speak God's word. Who am I? I am but a creation from God. Yes. yes. I, I can't I can't be God. I don't want to be God. I have seen throughout my entire life, John, what happens when I do fall <laughs> in that particular sphere. And it doesn't end well. It no. doesn't end well. The Bible even says there's pleasure in sin for a season, but mm. then there is also issues that come along with when you realize, hey, I've gone too far here. Yes. There's consequences yes. when it comes down to you following sin and sin only. Yes. And it doesn't lead to a very prosperous or fulfilling life. You may... You may get everything you've ever dreamed of or ever wanted in your life, but in the end, you won't have peace. You won't have fulfillment. You won't have any kind of uh, happiness in your life one bit because you've fallen so far away from the truth. Yes. And I'm also reminded of when it's saying the truth shall set you free mm, mm. because it's liberating. Yes, what yes. A lot of people are in at the moment is this bondage, bondage yes. of self, bondage to a demonic message and a demonic ideology that is constricting a lot of people. And, and even some men that are saying, you know what, we must embrace and accept this kind of stuff, this message, because you know what, we can't offend any person whatsoever. If they want to believe in it, so be it. They can go and do it. But the problem is with that, they're now going after the kids and they're now trying to indoctrinate the kids. So where do we draw the line here? Do we say, look, you're an adult, 
you're allowed to go and do whatever you want. We don't recommend it at all. We don't condone it at all. But you know what? You're an adult. You have free will to go and do that. But now they're just like, let's create a new generation, a new generation that is completely solely all about themselves, not about others, not about God. Let's forget all of that. Let's indoctrinate them. Let's castrate them. Let's butcher them. Let's go all there because we know that if we do that, we change a generation like that, we can pretty much change society as we know it. And I don't foresee that at all being a good thing. Yes. Yes. Which is why we need to continue speaking up in today's day and age. You're right. As long as Christ has not returned, there is still hope. Um, and that's why I believe in, in your message entirely. I really do because you write, you may have a voice, but as long as you are coming back to God always and saying, teach me, Lord, I am, but your humble servant, show me, give me wisdom because I need it to navigate all these treacherous waters at the moment. that is going on. And then if I am any bit proud, I need you to remove that from my life. Humble me. And by all means, God will humble you. <laughs> He's done it to me many, many times, Pastor John. Anyway, I'm going on my own, my own tangent there. But I guess I wanted to ask you, in regards to when Christians just go, oh, I don't need to say anything here. I don't need to do anything. We'll just we'll just let it pass by. We'll let these people do their thing, take over society. What are your thoughts on that? Are you speaking politically or um, the role that the church should play in the marketplace? I guess we can go with politics as well as the church. I'm curious about both sides here because... Yeah, do Christians really have a responsibility with regards to politics nowadays? Yes, I would say that they do. You know, if you read much of the the Bible, you understand that it's God raising up uh, men and women to speak truth to power. You know, you see this with Elijah, Elisha, you see see it even with Deborah, who was the only female judge that we had in, in Scripture. Uh, And so we see God using them to speak to kings and to rulers and to authorities. And so the church must engage politics because politics shape culture. Mm. And we want to shape culture with the truth of God's word. So, yes, we should infiltrate. We should dominate. And we should seek to get into every access point of government as possible. You know, there's this thing in America called a separation of church and state. And many people talk about the Constitution and how, you know, there's a separation of church and state. And that clause is in there and it's not. um, It's actually a fallacy. The separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. These are terms that have been exploited and taken out of context. Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to the Danbury Baptist Association um, talking to them about a wall of separation. Now, this wall of separation was supposed to protect the church from the state. 
not the state from the church. So he talked about a wall of separation so that the church, so that the state would not go in and co-opt and dominate the church. And this is the same thing that uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth and Martin Niemöller sought to enact in the 1930s while going through Hitler's Germany. Um, they put together what is called the Barman Declaration. What was the intent? The intent was to keep the church from being co-opted by the state. And during that time, there were nearly um, 18,000 pastors in, in, in Germany, but only one sixth of the pastors would sign on to the Barman Declaration. And then in 2009, uh, Chuck Colson put together what is called the Manhattan Declaration and sought to do the same thing. Also, it sought to make sure that marriage would not be perverted, corrupted and or changed and that the church would not have to bow and begin to marry, you know, two men and two women, you know, because I believe the church that marriage um, can be perverted, but it can't be redefined. <laughs> it, it, it will always be God's holy and sacred institution. Two men at the altar is a mess. Mm. Two women at the altar is a mess. It's only a marriage when you do it God's way. That's the man seeking out the woman and proposing to her and marrying her. And that's a whole nother subject for another day, Jay. Today in the culture, we have women seeking out men. Yeah. <laughs> And proposing, <laughs> and proposing to men, the Bible says, when a man findeth a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so we see these things going on. And so with the Barman Declaration, the Manhattan Declaration, the lie of the separation of church and state, the threat of pastors losing their 501c3 status, you know, because... There's this notion today that we are Christians because of a tax deductible benefit. <laughs> but the extent of our being Christian is not based upon whether or not we get a write off at the end of the of the year. Uh, Christians have already had access to their write off. Our sins have been forgiven. OK, and Christ has already paid our debt. The greatest benefit. The, the greatest financial benefit that the church will ever receive is what Christ did on Calvary. And so many pastors today are more concerned about preserving that their 501c3. So therefore, they won't speak up and they won't say things. And so um, I've noticed a trend today that the sheep are more courageous than the shepherd. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. The sheep. <laughs> the ones who need to be led by a shepherd, they have more boldness than shepherds today. And so, Jay, yes, it's imperative that we engage the culture, that we work in politics, that we raise up Christian politicians who are going to go to Congress, who are going to vote properly and who are going to hold the line. Pastor John, I know our time has come to a close. I just want to say thank you personally um, for speaking about all of this and for doing it so well, for doing it so eloquently and for number one, honoring God in your words and in your message too, because it's resonated with me as I'm sure it has with many, many other people. 
I would love to have another conversation with you, Pastor John, because there is there's so much we can talk about. <laughs> there really is. Uh, but where do you want people to go and, and support you and, and learn more about your work? Well, go to um, erased, E-R-A-C-E-D book.com, E-R-A-C-E-D book.com. You can get a copy of my book there and then you can make a contribution and become a monthly partner and support the work that I'm doing. I'm going to school boards around the country. Speaking up, I'm, I have become a champion for school board leaders, for parents and for children and for teachers. I hear from teachers all of the time telling me, please continue to do what you're doing. Come to Texas, come to Pennsylvania, come to California, come to New York, come to New Jersey. They're begging me to come to speak up on their behalf. And so the only way that I can get there is that generous donors and supporters who want to make sure that we continue to bring the, the truth to America, to the world and the gospel to the world, they will continue continually support what I'm doing. This is a funny sidebar, uh, uh, Jay. Uh, I was once told that um, I would go to Australia and speak there. Now, I don't know how this is going to happen. Uh, someone prophesied this to me. It's a friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Ronald Gates. He keeps telling me that. So I was tickled pink <laughs> when I received this uh, invite to do a podcast. So I'm one step closer to Australia. I hear that it's a long flight, <laughs> but one of these days I have to get there and maybe preach or do a revival at a church. I think it's like uh, 18 hours or something to get over. <laughs> Across the pond, yeah. they say, just a short skip and a hop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but honestly, I think we'd love to have you over here. Um, I'm, yeah, I've got to try and make that happen. To be honest, I want to, I want to make that happen. That would be awesome to have you over here speaking. That'd be so cool. I would, I would love to do it. Maybe you are the link to bring that prophecy true to make it come true. If not, then the guy is a false prophet. Then, <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's all riding on you now, Jay. But also people can go to my Twitter page, my Facebook page, my YouTube page, my Rumble page. Oh, my goodness. My Instagram account. Go to R-E-V-W-U Truth. That's Rev Woo Truth. R-E-V-W-U Truth. And follow me there, especially on my YouTube account. I'm growing there. I'm building. Follow me on every platform and you'll hear more about what God is using me to do as his servant. Amen. Pastor John, thank you so much for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Thank you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.